Black Tech Green Money isn't just about telling the stories of successful black entrepreneurs. It's also about giving actionable and wealth building strategies that help you protect the future of our communities. That's why we're pleased to be supported by State Farm Insurance. State Farm also believes that we must invest in our communities to achieve economic growth by sponsoring programs like the AXO, which rewards high school students for their academic achievements. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be to be. Season two of the Black Tech Green Money podcast is brought to you by Lexus, who's been celebrating driveway moments for over 30 years with the Lexus December to Remember sales event, where you can find exclusive offers on the most popular Lexus models. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Afrotech 2018, Oakland, California. Grammy Award-winning rapper Common is sharing the stage with music producer Kareem Riggins and musician Robert Glasper. Common shares knowledge on a type of mentality and behavior that he feels might hold us back in Hollywood and tech. But in his experience, this way of doing business has helped us in the music industry. And he encourages us to embrace it for our success in the tech world. I was just having this conversation with a couple of my friends yesterday and I was talking about how in the film industry, it's such a blessing to come from hip hop because like I carry the hip hop mentality to the film industry and a lot of people in the film industry, you know, go by these certain rules where it's like, okay, you don't call this person because let their agent call them or you don't go up and approach this person and say, man, I love your work or I want to be great at this. So how can we work together? It's like all these rules that you get in, in the film industry and you probably have some of those rules in the tech industry that I feel like coming from hip hop and hip hop is our culture that if we apply that, I feel like we are able to move forward faster and move forward more efficiently. And some of those things are just being able to be authentic in any room you go to. You know, initially going into rooms, I, I used to go in and think I have to be something else. But then I realized I could just be my hip hop self, my black Southside self, and it was yes. all good, yes. you know? Um, 
And I think part of that is the hip hop that gotta come out of you when you in the tech industry, not changing yourself for anybody. Also thinking, as Rob said, collaboratively and not feeling like this person is against me. Also doing the unconventional things. Hip hop has always been revolutionary and unconventional. So why abide by those rules? Come with, with the ideas that, that go against the grain. Let, let the CEOs know, man, we're about to do it like this. And this is how it's gonna come off and, and build one thing hip hop has always done was build things from the ground up. You know, a lot of, I've come from the underground of hip hop. And if you can build things like, when people not listening to your ideas or, or taking heed to it, or big corporations not supporting or you don't have funders, figure out how you can build it from the ground up and make that noise and don't be afraid to go in people's face and say, here's my thing, check it out. It's dope, good, love, much love. And I think that's the hip hop energy that we can bring to the tech industry and to film industries and other industries we go to. I'm Will Lucas, and this is Black Tech, Green Money. I want to introduce you to some of the biggest names, some of the brightest minds, and brilliant ideas. If you're black in building or simply using tech to secure your bag, this podcast is for you. Hadia Majid is the founder and CEO of HBCU VC a nonprofit mobilizing the next generation of venture capitalists to increase access to capital for communities historically overlooked. She brings an intersection of experience as a black woman, software engineer, and technical founder. I asked Adia, with respect to her talents and skills and the many other things she could be doing, why undertake the challenge of helping black students at HBCUs find their way into venture capital? I, I know it uh, sounds wrong, but this is not the company that I wanted to start. <laughs> it just, it just wasn't. Um, but it kept, uh, you know, it was an issue that I kept seeing rising up all the time. And, and no matter where I was in my journey and my career journey, um, you know, this, this, this concept of not only lack of, or, you know, lack of access to, to, to capital, but also th this concept of um, tech companies that are growing and building wealth and creating wealth, but creating wealth for people who don't look like the communities that I come from, right? And so whether it started from me being a software engineer at a tech company and uh, realizing that I was the only black woman um, in those ranks um, and hearing, you know, maybe like 10 years ago, a lot of the discussions coming out from some of the, the rising button tech companies at the time, like the Facebook and Googles and how they weren't able to attract talent that, or, you know, talent for people who look like me. And all the way to the point where we were running black founders um, and hearing the, the statistics about how uh, black founders were only receiving 1% of venture capital. And so it just seems like every point in my career, this, uh, this, uh, <laughs> this concept of equity and inclusion kept coming up. Um, and then from my perspective, to me, there were very clear avenues. And so there was like a rise in solution, but I felt like it was being constantly ignored to the point. Um, and I say that as a person who graduated from, from an HBCU and when I graduated, this is a while ago now, but when I graduated, you know, I would say that half of my class of, and I think there was like 40 people at that time that majored in computer science, half of them were, were black women, you know, in the, in that graduating class. Again, this was 
2000, 2001 when I, when I graduated. Um, so it, to me, it just felt silly in every place that I was walking into. People were saying that there, there weren't enough people who looked like me, but yet for my view, my lens, I was in a whole squad of people who, who looked like me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, you know, I got to the point where it's like, you know, it doesn't make sense. You know, there's there's whole communities of talented, a gravity of, of black people, talented uh, black people sitting at HBCUs. Why isn't it, why aren't people like spending enough time nurturing relationships there? Um, and to the point, like I said, it wasn't anything that I wanted to start it. It was something that I just kept proposing to like, I would go into all these different firms and they say, oh, could you help me with this? Could you help me with this? And I was like, why don't you just do this? Why don't you just do this? And then they just wouldn't do it. And it got really frustrating to the point where I was just like, you know, I guess, fuck it, I have to do yeah. it. <laughs> I, I love that. And it, because you pinpointed, you know, being a founder and not seeing, you know, enough funding for black companies, that that because and because of what you're working on today with you know creating more opportunities for black VCs and creating a pipeline, it shows me that you see like there's systemic issues with regards to this whole thing. What is it about, or what black ideas are? What ideas are we uniquely positioned to solve that are not getting funded because we don't have black VCs looking at our deals? There, there are some of the, the easy answers are products that mainly, you know, support us, right? Yeah, yeah. That's the wide spectrum. The easy topics are, you know, products that support having textured hair or, or darker skin, right? But if you go even beyond that, um, there, it goes into AI and how we're viewed um, or, you know, camera sensors and, and, um, and how they pick up darker skin. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and so, so that in, impacts the entire industry, right? If, and I, and I say this boldly that, you know, people with darker skin are the global majority, right? So it's, it, it's hard for anyone to build a product in AI or, you know, without considering the global majority, you know, so it's like how you build in a global company where you're not, having people from the global majority sitting at the decision making table. What are the barriers to success for black species? Why do we not have more? I remember seeing um, this Richard Kirby did a study a couple of years ago and he said, you know, 81% of VC firms don't have a single black investor. Roughly 50% of black investors in the industry are at the associate level, which is like the lowest level in the VC firm. And only 2% of VC partners are black. Like what, what is happening in the industry that creates this disparity and this inability it seemingly to progress. Right. Uh, you, so one, there, there's, there's something to, to know, like one, the VC industry is still a relatively new industry. If we think about it as an industry, right. It's evolved in, in the past, you know, 40 years, 50, 60, 50, 60 years since it's been around um, the way that it was originally formed was a little bit different, you know, um, in terms of, what money could enter into VC, you know, a lot of it rooted in, in wealth, right? And so the early investors were investing from their own pockets. Um, and then we can talk about, you know, you know the, his, the history of 
the United States and what has happened, which has created wealth inequities in, in this country, right? But then after 79, when the, when the regula regulation changed and like pension funds were able to invest in, 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 um, in BC funds and you know, you have now opened up the source of just who is investing, who are the LPs, who are the limited partners who are coming into uh, BC. Um, you know, you still have bef before that, now pe people who are like, there's this opportunity to manage these funds, right? You're no longer just investing in your own fund, but you're managing other people's fund. And part of that is looking to see who has the track record to do it, right? Um, and so because of that relatively new, because of that relatively, I guess, short history and that short history that's already rank, uh, anchored on wealth and relationships, uh, you know, it, you know, we weren't part of that history. And so within the last maybe like 10 years, you know, there is now an opportunity for us to get into this industry, but it still is a barrier because VCs who are running their own funds, um, there, there's a lot of money that you have to put in yourself to invest it. So there's still bad barriers there. Is it safe to say that you're building the next generation of VCs? I, I hope so. This is, this is my vision that um, as we look at the VC industry and how it's evolved and how the structure of the VC is involved, evolved, it is, um, I would say it's akin to, you know, roughly 15 years ago where it became a lot easier to build software companies. You know, there were like, you know, cloud services like Heroku, and then everyone could spin up a software company at that time. The structure of VC is, is changing rapidly and, and greatly, even like, I think within the last weeks, we see this, this concept of rolling funds, right? And which allows, which is changing the pattern of, hey, if I set up a fund, I need X amount of money for lawyers, I need X amount of money to put in. Um, now I can get to just find an opportunity to manage funds in a creative way, build wealth of that, off of that, and then um, you know recycle that into the fund. So I think as the VC industry is changing, there's an opportunity for us who have previously been left out to be a part of it and help grow it and, and shape it. So hoping to definitely grow the next set of investors who will go back and invest in their own communities. Yeah, well, to a couple points that you mentioned there, you, you mentioned first that, you know, in order to do a lot of these things, you come in with your own capital, right? And secondarily, um, many many would say or argue that you know the best VCs are former operators, you know, of, of startups. So when you target um, people in HBCUs who are you know or just coming out of an HBCU and probably haven't started a business before, probably don't have the capital, how is that done successfully? Then, yeah, uh, for us, we see this as a a long term. Goal. Like a lot of VCs look at their, their funds as like a 10 year project, but they won't see the results in 10 years. I see the same thing when I'm working with current students who are at HBCUs um, or who are recently graduated, right? Our goal, at least with the, we have different uh, programs, but with our core program, the HBCU fellowship, this is like a pure exposure in terms of building these networks right now where they are. Um, finding out who the founders are in their community right now and building that relationship over the next five to six years. If we take a, if we take a student who understands the concept of um, venture capital and supporting entrepreneurs and he is a junior 
And he just now has a lens for that. And he has a lens for who are the entrepreneurs on his campus. And he spends the next five years building that strong relationship with them and watching these entrepreneurs pivot or pivot until they get to the point where they have product market fit. He's been in there since day one. And so now he has access to proprietary deal flow. Mm -hmm. right? And so that's the way that we're, we're thinking about this. Um, VC is a relationship-based industry. So we get them thinking about relationships right now and, and understand that, you know, it may take you two to three years, even five years uh, to, to find some of these founders who are, are going to kind of like hit that growth that you want. Uh, but you, we want you to start thinking about it now. At the end of the program, you know, cause I don't, and I'm going to ask you to, to divulge a little bit about how the program works. What am I ready to do? Am I ready to launch my own fund? Am I ready to go get a job as an analyst or an associate at a fund? What am I able to do after I've completed this program? Yeah, the two biggest things that you have when you complete the program, um, and also we make a, I, I used to work complete, but like that's the official core requirements. But we also think that this is a journey throughout your career that we stay with you. Uh, but it is, it is definitely uh, an expanded mindset of an industry that was previously invisible to them. And then the second thing um, that is available to them is, you know, there are, we do have like internship opportunities, analyst opportunities that they're able to go in. We, we state, we offer these opportunities, but we also are very clear that this is not our destination. This is not our end point for you. Um, we hope that you take this enhanced mindset. And if you go to Goldman Sachs, right there, and make some money there, how do you start angel investing in the next two years, right? Um, if you go to a, a Google, how do you start looking at, you know, the people that you're working with and seeing who's going to be the, the founder to, to spin up, right? And so I think the biggest thing that they take away is this enhanced mindset and this, this, this lens of what to look for, as well as how to build these relationships. How do we level the playing field for all entrepreneurs? 55% of white businesses survive the startup phase, while only 4% of black businesses do the same. So I want every black entrepreneur to know about the 1 Million Black Businesses Initiative. The 1 Million Black Businesses Initiative is an award-winning program created by Shopify and Operation Hope. They're on a mission to start, grow, and scale 1 million black businesses by 2030, driving wealth creation for the black community. Out of 6 million employer-owned businesses in the U.S., only 2.3% have black ownership. This program gives black entrepreneurs tools and resources to level the playing field, from free business coaching to tailored training and extended free Shopify trial. Shopify's made a 10-year, multi-million dollar commitment to the program, and it's working. The initiative already started, supported, and engaged with over 334,000 black businesses, helping them operate businesses that sell anything from skateboards to coffee beans to apparel. Business owners love this program. Simone Harvin, founder of SC Creative Group, says, The 1 million black businesses experience for me was unlike any other program I've been a part of, primarily because it was for us and it was by us. Here at Drink Champs, we are always interacting with our listeners, many being black entrepreneurs. Shopify is one of those platforms that empowers and emboldens entrepreneurship. So chart your own path for business success with the 1 Million Black Businesses Initiative and Shopify. 
Bring your business to Shopify with an exclusive offer at shopify.com slash B-E-N, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash B-E-N. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something we care deeply about here at Black Tech Green Money. State Farm Insurance also cares about the growth of black communities. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help provide financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. We want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. It also requires active sponsorship of programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements along with funding programs like Project Ready, a national urban league program committed to educational achievement of black and brown youth that has awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to date. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful DC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. Season 2 of the Black Tech Green Money Podcast is brought to you by Lexus and the December to Remember sales event. From graduation parades to birthday parties this year, Driveways hosted some new traditions. Here's to celebrating them all. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Here's the camp I'm in. I'm not asking big tech companies, venture capital firms, or anybody else for that matter for a seat at their table. I figure I can build my own. I'm also not against other efforts to advocate for our seats. In my mind, these ideologies can coexist. With that said, should we then be building our own VC firms instead of asking for seats at their table? Nadia speaks on it. Absolutely, I think so. I think that there, you know, it is my desire and preference that we create more of our own firms, right? Um, and I think people coming out of my program, I, you know, I think that there are people rolling out who are aiming for creating that, that firm within two years. There are other people though, who I think are going to take a, a different approach. And I think that that's fine, you know, and maybe they're going to traditional firms and, and, and learning the ins and outs and, and learning um, how to change the way that they do investing for, from the inside. Um, I always push, cause it's my, my preference that go ahead and go on the inside and learn all those secrets and then come out and disrupt it um, and, and build, build your own. But, um, but absolutely, you know, my goal is to see more Black-founded uh, venture firms or, or, or Black GPs, which are controlling where the capital goes. But I also want to be very specific in that um, when we think about venture capital growth and its returns, it is not an industry where we should be operating in silos and even racial silos, right? So even if you are a black GP, um, you know, I, I, you definitely, in order, you know, definitely need to be able to uh, make strong relationships across ra racial and ethnic lines because um, this is this is definitely a relationship business. 
Uh, it is VC business. A village actually needs to get around a whole startup in order to make it grow. You know, so if you if you back a founder, you can't. There's no one who's backing a founder and taking that risk solely by themselves all the way to the go public. You need to be able to you know corral other funders across different uh, resources to to back that founder so that they go there. So, you know, I always think that that's important because I think we when we talk about building our own and supporting our own, that's great. But we also need to learn how to make strong relationships um, across communities to to back the startups to to the areas of growth that we need. Yeah, in in respect of you know building our own table, like a lot of people who will be watching or listening to this, you know, may have you know some capital or may have some relationships, and they say, you know what, you know, I've maybe dabbled in angel investing, and let's go do this thing for real in a, in a firm, right? And so, how does what does the roadmap look like if you can give it to us, kind of synopsized for? You know, if I want to be a Candace Burkeen who does Lightship, if I want to be a Richard Kirby at Equal, if I want to be, you know, a Charles Hudson, like what is what? How do you do that? What has to happen to say, OK, I'm putting the flag in the, the ground for my firm? Like, what does that mean? Yeah, I think uh, you mentioned some of the people who I'm like big fans of, but I, I lean on Charles. Because I call him the godfather of this. Yeah. <laughs> and um, one of the standard advices that he he gives is you know you you do the role before you have the job right and the main role of a vc is to support the founder right and and i think what's important is that both uh candace and 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 richard kind of took this path right now like you know before they even launched their official firms is that you know, they got into entrepreneur communities and just found ways to be helpful before the capital was there I remember, um, actually, I, I interviewed Candace uh, Burkine from Lightship, and she was talking about how it's really difficult or nearly impossible for her to make bets at the early stage because being a black VC, she's like, you don't get chances to fail at this. You have to generate returns to your partners. And how do you teach? Because you teach, you know, people coming out of school or still in school, um, how to how to invest how do you help them see the realities of that savior mentality that they might have to say, okay, you know what? I'm going to be an investor. I'm going to go invest in all the companies who get, couldn't get funding before me. And when the reality is you've got to back winners and not just, you know, everybody, you know, and love who couldn't have gotten funding before. And it was a re- really reality moment for me when, when I hear a candidate say there are people who I would love to fund, but I can't at the early stage, they got to have some proof before they come to a person like her? Yeah. Um, I don't know if, so So there's two things in that question. One is um, about the double standard. And we hear that double st- standard across, like, you know, because I am in this industry and one of the few who look like me, I, I don't have room for, for failure, right? Yeah, yeah. But I think that that's, that's a, a tough position to be in uh, because this industry is actually about failure. Like if you look at across, <laughs> if you look Specs. across the board, um, and you look at like, you know, most VCs are majority of the funds are not returning anything. Yeah, they're yeah. not. You know, so you know that's a that's an undue and unnecessary pressure 
but I understand where it comes from just because, you know, there aren't too many of us. One of the things that this is very, may sound counterproductive, but we teach our students that failure is part of the game and they have to get used to it, right? And the thing about failure is that, you know, failure should, if you do, if you do it right, it should lead to growth, right? Because if you're afraid to fail, then you're never going to take the risk that you need to in order to get to, I mean, this is a high stakes game. And so risk is part of the game. And if there's high risk, then there's going to be failure. So we get them comfortable in, in, in talking about failure. Um, and so, you know, so I, it is harder on the black GP uh, who feels though, hey, I only have one shot to make this. Um, but this, the reality is that it is, this is an industry that, <laughs> you know, has a lot of failure. So you're a good company. Season two of the Black Tech Green Money Podcast is brought to you by Lexus. For over 30 years, Lexus made driveways the place to celebrate with the December to Remember sales event. Find exclusive offers on popular Lexus models now through January 4th. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. I think a lot about, you know, when I when you go out to raise a fund, you know, it's a lot like building a startup like you're. Instead of, you know, trying to sell investors on the widget you, you've, you know, in, in invented or the, the software that you've invented, you're selling them on your ability to go find other people who built the widget. Right. And so how do you as a college student or, as a, you know, recent graduate build that credibility if 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 you don't take the road, the route of going to be an associate somewhere? Is there are there other ways? Yeah. Um. I think that there are a lot of ways. Um, we actually encourage our, our uh, fellows to uh, to go and go work for small startups, right? Um, and become early members of those teams. So they get to see, get that operator vision from the inside of it, right? I also think college is like the perfect time to become an entrepreneur yourself. So a lot of our fellows are building their own products right now. Um, and so I think that that gives them an amazing experience. It's, it's a good place for them. Uh, you know, those are the students who are able to, to block out the time and, and maybe they don't have as much bills at that time to just, uh, you know, tinker with, with different things and learn about what it, what it takes to build, to build a startup. Um, and so, you know, if we look at some of the people like the founder of Snap, I mean, he, created his, his company right out of uh, university. So there's a lot of university-based uh, founders who come out and, and learn that operator side. And so we asked those, our fellows to look at that as a, as a career path. Um, and at the same time, share that knowledge and resources as they're building with other founders that they may know. You have um, a fund also, the HBCU VC Lab Fund, which you, which you phrase as a teaching venture capital firm. Yeah, how, how does this work? So is it really like, you know, you have a pool of money that you've went out and raised and you're deploying it to, you know, your your students? Like, how yeah, does that yeah. work? 
Yeah, so we have a pool of money um, that we've raised. We've bootstrapped this fund um, and hoping within the end of the year to announce um, the expansion of the fund. Uh, but you know, this year we, we've kind of like bootstrapped this fund, um, raised some money, and then what we do is we empower our fellows to start making investments. And at this stage, they are equity-free investments. So uh, our fellows, and you don't have, you don't have to be a current student. Um, actually, our last cohort of Black Fund founders that just came in, they're all alumni of HBCUs and have been running their business for the last couple of years and they're just amazing. But they're, they're founders that our students went out and, and looked for um, and, and kind of like said, hey, this is the, the next set of founders that we need to get behind and empowered them with an equity-free grant. And what's, what's kind of amazing with some of these founders who came in this cohort is, you know, funding was part of it. It was a small amount of a grant that was part of it. And they were definitely grateful for that, uh, for that, for that grant. But a lot of them were just grateful to be a part of an ecosystem, the HBCU ecosystem that was building um, and had plans to be regenerative. You know, they, they want to get to a point where they're hiring and they're hiring out of the schools that they come from, or they want to get to a point where they have like a, you know, a liquid event and they want to give back to the schools that they come from. And so I think that that's what's amazing about the HBCU community um, and uh, the founders and the lab fund that we, we support. When you think about, um, you know, running a program like this, I think, you know, that your job is also to make sure people off board properly and, you know, can go fly out of the nest and be successful. Right. And when you think about the landscape of Silicon Valley and the, the challenges it is being black in Silicon Valley, um, whether you're a founder or an investor, where in your perspective is a great place to land geographically for the next crop of black VCs? So <laughs> I think it's interesting, one, that, you know, one of the, the cruel blessings of COVID is that it's allowing people to build and grow where they are, and they don't have to hinge so much on the uh, geographical locations, especially uh, Silicon Valley. So, um, you know, so I see a lot of people uh, popping up in, in other locations. However, I, I am seeing this trend and this happens pre-COVID of uh, a lot of talent and investors, black GPs who are now in the Los Angeles ecosystem. Um, and so, so I'm just like, just paying attention to like what's happening in the Los Angeles ecosystem. Um, I also think that Lightship Capital um, is like, I think Cincinnati overall has been doing some good work over the past couple of years of supporting their founders. And, you know, I think Candace and Brian are genius for being able to understand that and recognize that um, and, and start deploying capital there. And so I, I'm excited to see some of the capital start deploying to, to Cincinnati as well. Um, and the and just, and I, I would extend that to the overall uh, Midwest region. So, so those are some of the areas that I'm like personally seeing, but I, I have my eye out because I think that there's gonna be a huge shift especially um, with COVID now being and us remaining in, in our various locations.
Black Tech Green Money is a production of Blavity Afrotech. It's produced by Morgan DeBond and me, Will Lucas, with additional production support by Love Beach and Raven Earborn. Special thank you to Micah Davis and Sakara Savanyan. You know, like the wine? And yes, that's his real name. Learn more about my guests and other tech disruptors and innovators at afrotech.com. Go get your money. Peace and love. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T.